Chris has really been on a journey of God working in his life and really the Lord doing some cool and amazing stuff. And so I just, uh, I just felt like I, I wanted to, sometimes there's a value in teaching and sometimes there's a value in just testimony and hearing what God is doing. And, and my hopes for this morning is A, your faith will be encouraged and that B, God would, and God would inspire and, and spark in us a desire to, to look for the Chris's of the world who are on a journey. And, um, and so, yeah, I've, I've got to know Chris the last few months and pretty short amount of time, to be honest. And, um, you know, he came into house church and, I don't know, you, you just talk about, like, like Paige and how we met and this wonderful restaurant you work at with Paige. We'll just jump right in the middle. Oh, you're good. Uh, yeah. So um, I did not grow up with faith in my life at all. Um, I grew up uh, with lots of different things, lots of different experiences, um, all my experiences. And uh, God wasn't one of them. <laughs> but uh, he's given me a lot of opportunities, a lot of uh, journeys in my life. Um, and recently, he's led me on this journey. Um, obviously, when I was going through all those journeys, I did not know, think, or even remotely believe that that was God in any sense of the word. Um, I thought it was me. I thought it was Earth, like we talked about earlier. I, I definitely worshipped the Earth at one point. Uh, I've worshipped a lot of different things. Um, but uh, lately, I've realized that God gave me all those those moments for a reason, um, because He knew that I had to have those moments to get to where I am now. And yeah, and recently, these last two months, I was introduced um, through some true messengers of God, people who truly walk with God, because no one else could have talked to me about God, <laughs> or at least I would have listened. Um, and He's led me here, and so. Yeah, with Jordan, with Paige, with, with a lot of people in my life. Um, and all of them I'm grateful for. Every experience and every word they've given me. So can you tell, like, what did Paige, what, did, what is it about, and I agree with you about Paige, knowing her a little bit, that she, she has a sort of sense of, hey, Paige, by the way. <laughs> she has a, there's a sense about her that, like, you can feel Jesus when you're with, when you're with her. What what happened? Okay, give me some of the moments that that you know. And you came to house church, so yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I've worked with Paige for a while before before even knowing that she believed in God. Uh, I remember a friend coming up to me and being like, "Hey, you know, she loves Jesus, right?" It's like, okay, well, okay, we'll see. <laughs> and. Uh, and I would just watch her interact with guests. And you can see the unique way that she interacts with every single person, that it's not just a means to an end or something to get a tip or to just facilitate an experience. It's because she truly listens to people um, in a way that I haven't seen many people listen to people. And so one night we were gonna hang out and she, she said, hey, do you wanna go to house church with me? And I've been to church literally maybe once or twice in my life prior to that. 
And I was like, okay, that's a weird name for a church, but yeah, let's go to, let's go to house church. <laughs> um, and so I showed up a couple minutes before she got there. I pulled up and it was literally Jordan's house. And I was like, okay, so this is a house. I really do not know what I'm about to do. Um, and uh, then she, she arrived and she's like, are you ready? I'm like, let's do it. <laughs> and so we walked in and I had an experience I hadn't had and I was really grateful for it. Especially at the end, me and Jordan got to sit down and talk and talk about things that didn't sound like it would be something that like a, a, a pastor would, would talk about, like Nietzsche with me and stuff like that in, in, in ways and experiences of engaging me that, I mean, God gives us messengers who can speak to us. And so he's given me people like Jordan who could talk to me in ways that no one else could. And uh, after that, I opened John 1 uh, through his advice with, with him, uh, with Jordan Bishop as well. And that was the first time I actually read the Bible. And every time I just engage it authentically, and they always respond to me with love and with compassion and with honesty. Because there's a lot of things I don't know, and I just like knowing. I like engaging. I like learning. I like the experience that God's given me. That's good. So we started going on this journey, and I will, I will give that Jordan Bishop might even he he might have been the more readily feedback giver. But he he uh, we went on a journey of reading the Book of John together, and the the goal of our reading was all of us read it individually, and to share whatever the Holy Spirit was was speaking to us, including for Chris. We didn't like write some sort of teaching. He just he just read, and whatever the Lord highlighted to him, he shared. And um, I'll back up a little bit and, like, tell me, like, we come back to that. Tell me, like, some of the things, like, like just to give you a context for the journey that Chris has been on. Like, you, you were a, a Satanist for a while. Yeah. You, I mean, you've been through, you've been through a, a lot. And, but one thing I can tell you is, like, I, I walked with a number of people who, there are some people that the only way I know to explain it, when you begin talking to them about faith, they're like tire kicking. They're like, maybe this this coat will work on. And um, what I realized about Chris was, Chris was, one of the things I really admire about him is, is really one of the people I've met that was genuinely pursuing whatever was true. From whatever he was at, from wherever he was at, he was just looking for what was true. So, I mean, just give me the background on that. Yeah, um, I've gone through a lot of experiences in life. Um, all my experiences. Um, I, like I said, I, I worship God, or I worship Earth, I worship myself. I truly thought, like Nietzsche says, like, that I am the, the only way to cause change in this world, through my force of will. And what I've come to realize now, that I'm, I'm starting to understand God and on this journey, and just literally... Just engaging just the word in the, in the Bible is amazing, but I can feel when I'm reading it, it's just the tip of the iceberg. Like, I, I started learning Hebrew this last two weeks because I just want to get as close as I can to understanding God in all forms. He's given us every experience and every word, so I'd be weak if I didn't actually listen to all of them. Um, and and it, it's interesting, too, because every little moment, every interaction... God gives you the opportunity to see himself. And I didn't know that until recently. And I see that in every word. Earlier, someone said, 
she was given her name um, for power, and I was given my name, Chris, for power as well. St. Christopher, his journey, it resonates with me so much. And I didn't know that until Paige was like, hey, you should look into your name. You should see where you come from. And just every word, God gives us that opportunity to walk through that door. But uh, yeah, I, I, I was married. I went through trials and tribulations. I had to fight every ounce to get my children in my life because I wouldn't allow anything less than. And at that point, I didn't believe in God. I did it through sheer force of, force of will, <laughs> which was hard. Um, it was like growing upstream, but God knew that I had to have that moment, even though I didn't know God at that time. Um, when my daughter was born, she had complications, and I didn't believe in God at that moment, but I remember going and praying to God that she'd be okay. And then she was okay. And then after that, I said, awesome, that was me. <laughs> Which I don't say that like, yay, I'm so happy I turned away from God. Um, I say that because it's truth. Uh, and I can only understand God in truth. It's literally the only way. Um, I wouldn't want to be anything other than truthful with everything in my life because God's given me everything in my life. So if I'm not being truthful, then I'm not following God. So That's good. Tell us a little bit about, as you're reading through the book of John, like the personal things that just sort of, you know, some of the changes that just kind of, kind of I don't know, automatically is not the right word, but some of the things that God started, to, how he started to change you. Well, up until that point, I had read a lot of philosophy and a lot of things surrounding God. I've heard a lot of people talk about God, but I never actually engaged the Bible itself and actually read the word of the God and engaged it, really. And so when I started reading John, it started opening up thoughts that I hadn't had before and engaging them in ways like, okay, if I'm going to be authentic about this, either there's meaning in nothing, no meaning in anything, or there's meaning in everything. And if there's meaning in everything, there's a reason why I'm reading this and why it's resonating with me and why it's moving me and why these people are engaging me authentically about it. And so just hearing the testimony of people who've lived that life, it's amazing. I, I, I love reading it in English, but I really can't wait till I can read it in Hebrew. <laughs> so that way I can actually hear as close as I can to that, those actual experiences. Yeah, and I remember like the, um, I, I, I don't even know if you got this terminology from Paige or if it was just from reading John 3. I remember we sat down about like John 18, at point, we sat down at, at the coffee shop, maybe it was at the end, and, and you were kind of like, I think, I'm, I think I'm born again. Like, I think that like, this is, this is the life God has, has led me to. So I don't know, what, gave, what brought you to that? That, that thought, maybe the language too. I'm just curious. I had never actually asked you about that. Um, well, like I said, I've, I've, I've lived a lot. I've done a lot, which I'm not saying I've done any more than anyone else in this world. Everyone's done everything in their own experiences, and they're all so different, and I just can't wait to engage everyone I can to see how, how they've come to God as well. But... I just feel like change is actually possible now. Um, I feel like prior to, to accepting God in my life, I had the illusion of change in my life. I was like, hey, I ran today. 
You know what I mean? Or, hey, I, I, I fought for my kids. I, I, I learned, uh, you know what I mean, civil rights and, and how to serve subpoenas and how to testify and do objections. But to make actual change in my life, like breaking free of my addictions and understanding something more than myself was not possible without God. And literally, when you 100% commit, like, when you find meaning in your life, you wake up for it, and it wakes you up. And so God has woken me up to, to possibilities that literally were impossible without him. And this is just literally two months into it, so <laughs> I really can't imagine, and I'm, I'm really excited for, for everything that's to come. Well, I just want, I want us to celebrate with you, and I want us to, if you don't mind, I want us to extend our hands to you and just pray that God would just continue his work in you, and um, because it's a lifelong journey, and I'm so grateful you've ministered to me in your pursuit of truth and your pursuit of God, and I'm, I'm just thankful I met you, Chris. You, let, let's... Uh, I don't know, let's just put our hands towards Chris, if you can, and just agree with me that, 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 that Chris would get everything he's asking for, the depth of, of knowing God. And so, Lord, I, I thank you for Chris's heart, just to know what is true. I thank you for his curiosity, for his genuineness, for his mind, God. Um, and I pray that you would just, you would deepen... Um, deepen his love for you, deepen his, his comprehension of you. I pray that you would just deepen the work that you're doing in him. And I pray that he would be a light and just a beacon of hope um, everywhere he goes, God. That exactly what he saw in Paige, who had this profound impact on him, that he would be for others, Lord. That people would look on him in his own unique way and they would see the face of God. And we're just, we're thankful. We just celebrate with you on behalf of new life. And we bless Chris in Jesus' name. Amen. How awesome is that? I, I mean that. When I say, I don't use, I actually told Chris this morning, I mean the word admire very specifically just because I, when I sat down and started talking with him, like, I've done a fair bit of journeying myself. And, and you know, you find somebody who's done a lot and you see it and you're like, okay, like this person has really been on at this. If you, if you, if you ever want to hear a powerful story, just ask him about his story with his, his kids and you will be incredibly encouraged. And... Uh, so anyway, ah, yes, um, you want to come up? Okay, we have something else we're doing, and then we're going to pray for our kids who are going back to school, and that's going to be awesome. Um, we have a bit of a, an announcement for you. Um, oh, man, I went, I rolled right into that one. Um, let me, before I start by saying this, how many of you are reading the, the Book of Common Prayer scriptures? Anybody? The, the, the scriptures that are in our journals. Yeah, I'm sorry. They come from the Book of Common Prayer. Forget, you know, um, a lot of different churches globally use the structure to pray. So 
This week, I believe, was the story of Gideon. Somebody correct me. Was it this week or last week? This week? Okay. And I've been thinking about this effect the last few weeks. I, I feel like I've personally gone through a season where you go through seasons of wilderness in your life. It sounds very silly to say like wilderness or trite, or, but you really do. I, I don't know how else to put it. You go through seasons where it feels like, like not, maybe not that you're far from God, but it feels a little darker. And, and I feel like the last couple of years, God has been like just kind of dragging me out of the wilderness a little bit. And it feels like that has increased and increased and increased. And I was talking to Jeremy and Suzanne this morning, and I was like, it's like, it's like, an, it's like a really long unthawing. Like somebody put that DiGiorno pizza in the deep freeze for way too long. <laughs> I don't know. And so I just feel like this unthawing that is, and in the last few weeks, I've just felt his presence. And one thing that I, this word, and I don't want to like preach a message because I want to be kind of focused on what we're going to talk about is I felt like the Lord has been speaking to him about the effect of compounding obedience. And in the story of Gideon, I mean, this is a really classic tale. I don't have any new insight on it, but you know the story. God raises up this, this um, man who is leading his nation, and they have a nation that is more powerful than them that's going to destroy them with their army. And he's like, I need, I need you to be brave. And so... He gathers together an army, and God's like, that's too many people. And he's, so he's like, send the ones that, are, that don't want to fight or are afraid. And so he's like, all right, everybody, if you imagine this, like, if you're afraid or you don't want to fight, go home. You know, maybe I would have gone home. I don't know. <laughs> I want to get stabbed with a spear. <laughs> I would like to think I would have stayed. But who knows? So a bunch of people come away. And then he's like, God's like, this is an act of obedience. You get what I'm saying? Like this, that act is an act of obedience. Then there's another opportunity where God says, still too many people. Take them down. God's like, <laughs> some of the things in the Bible are very humorous if you think about it. He's like, take them down to the water and see how they get water out of the river. Do they, do they lap it like dogs? Or they, or they you know pick it up, you know, I'm, I'm like, okay, you know, that's so, he's like, all the ones who do it this way, keep them, and it's like really strange instruction from the Lord, um, but they do it, and then he ends up with 300 men, so this is his first stage of obedience, the second stage of obedience, last stage of obedience, and then they're going to go fight this really, really big army, how big is the army, kids? Really, really big. <laughs> that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> I thought that was going to be, but anyway, it didn't work. Um, so they show up. I don't know if you can imagine this. I know people have explained the logic behind this. It made them feel like they were fighting an army bigger than what they were. But they show up with like, is it clay pot? My brain is now glitching. Is it clay pots and a trumpet and torches? And they're like 300 of them, tens of thousands of people. And you're like, I just, like, imagine myself in the story every time I'm reading. I'm like, you know, sitting here with my torch and clay pot. And, and, and so, anyway, God uses this trumpet and the breaking of these pots and all this to the, the whole enemy gets scared, and they start killing each other, and they run away. And God, and, and they are, and, and the, Lord, the Lord's people 
um, are saved. And, but do you see like that it's not just the one obedience, it was the second and the third. Like they had to like keep fall And like, I feel like when we have compounding obedience, what happens is that we end up in a place as silly as holding like clay pots and torches and trumpets. And like, <laughs> there's no way that we get the credit. Like God gets the ultimate credit for the win. And those are really profound. And so let me just share this with you. And then I'm, I'm, I'll show you one thing, but then we'll move to our talk. But um, I've been asking this question the last few weeks because God's been just kind of showing me that he wants to wake me up more and me to not be dead and still in this wilderness season. And so I, I've been asking the question for the last couple of weeks, what does obedience look like today? What does obedience look like right now? And it's a really simple thing that you can do. What does obedience look like right now? I really believe that every, every day there's an opportunity to partner with God and say, what does obedience look like right now? And my belief is if you do that, boom, boom, you just day after day, you step, you're not going to hit it every day. In fact, in a minute, I'm going to tell you time I was disobeying, but you're not going to hit it every day. But there is an effect of compounding obedience. And so my invitation to you today is to ask this question every day. What does obedience look like today? Okay. Do y'all remember how I told you a couple weeks ago I was praying and Andrew and I had this long discussion and I was like, we can't afford a car payment, you know, but I was like, but if the Lord wants us to have a car, I want you to, or the Lord wants to have a vehicle. What I said exactly was if the Lord wants us to have a vehicle, I want him to show us exactly the one he's going to give us. Will you show me the picture? Show this picture. <laughs> Grace took this picture for me this morning. Um, this is my new vehicle. <laughs> now, let me tell you, let me tell you the story. I prayed this prayer on a Friday. God, if you have a you, I want you to show me exactly the vehicle that you have for us. Next day, my brother is a bit of a goofball, but he's a very spirit-led person. He shows up to my house. He's like, where are you? And I'm like, not there. He's like, well, I'm here on my electric bike. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and, and so I was like, oh, that bike could work for my commute. And so I went from that moment down to this like place where they sell electric bikes and I went and rode one and they ride about 20 miles an hour without you doing any effort. And then I like looked at the map and I realized 90% of my ride is on a trail that I don't have to be on roads. And I'm not, so it's like a safe route. Like I'm not like riding down Garland Road, you know. <laughs> I'm like barely on any road and I'm like on crosswalks I'm on crosswalks or a trail like 97% of the time. Just like in, and then I did my, did my commute. And it was 25 minutes. And so now what happened was I have no car payment. I don't have gas. I have a bike that will break down and fit into an Uber or my wife's car. And I have a vehicle to work. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> so it, it sometimes is humbling when I come home and my wife laughs at me. <laughs> Because it just sounds like, <laughs> I think I want to get like a full facial, full face helmet just to like fully sell it. But the truth is. Like a catcher's mask? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. I'm talking like the intense BMX mask, you know. 
but like the incredible thing about it is I get so much delight out of this thing. Like I'm rolling by like nature and like seeing different parts of Dallas. I got a little, I got a little basketball court I'm going to start stopping at and like shooting. It goes right by my gym and it's pretty awesome. So there you go. I, that's my, that's my story about obedience. Um, okay. Disobedience now. Um, and Zane is up here for a reason. He really screwed up. Yeah, I really screwed up. A um, couple, few months ago. So, backstory for those of you who don't know. My parents used to own a company. A lot of people here still work for that company. That company is in this building. <laughs> that company was sold to a company owned by a bank. Everybody with me still? This is kind of, it's, it's, and... That bank's a large bank, and, and we have a lease agreement. It's a 90-day lease agreement with that company owned by a company owned by a bank. And then the company owned by a company owned by a bank, the bank got bought by another bank. So now there's a company owned by a company owned by a bank owned by a bank. And so um, actually they're really just merging the banks. But I got a notice on my doorstep. On my doorstep on Sunday morning um, from M&T Bank that said, we are doubling your rent starting two weeks. I was like, oh, man. Like, it was a, it was a significant, more than double action now. Like, it was a bit of a shocker, a bit of a wake-up call. And so um, for a while now, I've been like sort of like, how long does this space work for us now that my dad does not own the space? And so when that happened, I didn't get worried. I got excited. I don't know. Sometimes you get fear. This moment, I didn't get fear. I was like, oh, sweet. The Lord wants to do something new. I went to Zane a couple months ago, and I said, I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to come to the church and say, hey, um, we need to pray about finding a new space. This became aware. This became a point of uh, awareness to me. And I felt like I was supposed to put it out there before there was any possibility for an answer. One, one of the mistakes I feel like I've made as a leader, and I feel like I've gotten better at this over the years, is like moving down things that I feel like the Spirit is leading down. I want to obey God, but moving down things sort of like autonomously without enough feedback. And, and I feel like the Holy Spirit was like, don't bring people like a finished meal, like come and say, I don't know what the heck we're supposed to do. And let me just say, we still don't have an answer, <laughs> but I'm trying to be, I'm uh, just pause. We don't have a new building that's, you know, um, we're coming. Uh, I, I feel like we're all can come into the space together of not knowing. And so, and there's a faith that goes with that. So, Two weeks ago, was it two weeks ago that we came to you? Ten days ago? Yeah. yeah. Zane can confirm this part that I said, though, that I did come to him and say I should talk and did not do anything about it. He did. <laughs> um, so, so, thanks for that confirmation. A um, um, couple weeks ago, we saw, Zane and I, as a background, we've looked at every property that has every property building opportunity that has come available between Northwest Highway and Jim Miller near 30 for, for the last 
infinity, you know? And, like, that's probably not, a, you know, we've looked at everything. And because we wanted to be within, you know, not much more than five minutes from where we're at. And, and so uh, property, like any stylus off of, like, Jim Miller and 30 came available um, a couple weeks ago. It's actually been available for a while. We missed it, and we, and we saw it, and I was like, actually, the interesting thing is I came to our staff, and I said, I have this vivid picture of what I feel like our church is supposed to look like, and the picture in my heart is a place that communicates the sacredness of what he's doing. And so I imagine like glass walls, like a, like a rectangular-ish, square-ish building. And so we go look at this building, and I'm like, whoa, this is like strikingly, I mean, not exact, but really close to what I imagined. And it was, um, I mean, really, really close. And so to back up just a little bit, Jordan went on a trip pretty recently and he stayed in this little house that was made of all glass. Mm -hmm. It was like a square. And like from the outside, you don't really see the houses. There's a bunch of them in a field. And you don't really see the houses because they have glass walls. And so it kind of just like, it's in the middle of a bunch of trees. So it just reflects all the nature. So you mostly just like see nature, even though some of it's mirrors. And so I said, I was saying glass, mirrors, mirrored walls. But he was like, you know, I know we're not going to get something exactly like this. But he was like, but I really feel like that what would be right for us would be a building that, like, has these glass walls where you can see out and it feels like you're kind of inside and, like, have access to outside at the same time. So, anyway. And what did you, wait, like, describe this. What did, what did you say whenever I was, like, describing this specific space? I was like, well, I mean, for those of you who don't know, I work in real estate. And I was like, man, that's like, that's a tall order. I was like, there, that doesn't hardly exist. Like something that's just like square and has glass walls and you can see nature. And I was like, that's, we're probably going to have to build that if that's what you want, because it, we're probably not finding it. Yeah. So we go to the space that's very similar to that. And Zane and I were like, okay. Our church doesn't have the finances to purchase a building. Number one, we're in a good, we're in a fine place financially. We, we've always been in a safe place, but we're not, not in a, not in a place to like purchase a building. And, and um, so we were trying to figure out if there's some creative deal. Could we lease something from them? Could we, could, could we, we, we've tried this thing of getting people to donate buildings to us and. Uh, <laughs> Not lying. We've drafted up presentation. It's a hard request. <laughs> hey, actually, let me tell you guys the super fast story because I remembered it this weekend. This week, I was telling Jordan and Tiffany the other day that one of the most embarrassing moments of my life, I felt like God wanted me to ask this guitarist that I didn't know if I could have his guitar. And it was an expensive guitar. And I like went to this guy. I was like, man, I'm so sorry to ask this. This is like the most embarrassing question ever. But like, I felt like I was, God wanted me to ask for your guitar. And I don't know if you're supposed to give it to me or if you're supposed to say no. I'm just trying to be obedient. This is super embarrassing. And he was like, what the heck? No. Like, and just like <laughs> walked away. And I was like, I remembered that story this week. I was like, that was the most embarrassing thing I've ever done. It was terrible. But um, anyway, I would say that asking for buildings is harder. <laughs> We've tried. Shameless. Creativity, um, resourcefulness, we'll call it. 
Um, so, oh, man, I have to tell so many stories to get to this story. So we were just like, oh, okay, whatever. It's just like we've looked at a lot of things. So, like, even something that was, like, very stirring like this, you're kind of just like, okay. Lord, if you want it to happen, make it happen. So my parents are about, they're going, my, my dad, when he sold the company, was like, I want to go on a retire, retirement, long retirement trip. And COVID hit. So they had paid for this down payment to go on a three-week trip in Europe that has been delayed for two and a half weeks. And, two and a half years, sorry, my brain. Two and a half years. I was like, I want my dad to come see this place just to see what he thinks about it. And he was like, Jordan, I'm leaving. I was like, so I asked, it was a day, it was Thursday. I was like, I was like, God, what does obedience look like today? And he said, get your dad over and look at that property. And my dad was like, I don't want to. He was like, okay, I'll do it. Meet you over there. And my dad goes over here and he goes, he looks at this. And one thing I've learned about my dad, he's very, 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 very attuned to what the spirit is doing. I, it has been remarkable to me the, over the years. And he goes, this is, I think there's like God something here. Like I think God wants to give this building. And so another story is that when my parents sold this building, we had a desire as a family. When my parents sold this company, we had a desire as a family to have an impact on ministries, more than just clear path. And, and, we went, and so they, part of what they did with the proceeds of, of, of selling this company was open up a nonprofit and they put a bunch of money in it that was meant to be distributed to other nonprofits. This, this, this nonprofit has no overhead, there's no expenses, there's no activities. It's just, it's just meant to be a vehicle to find ministries, to bring partnerships, and to bring resources. And so we went over there, and when I looked at it, we talked about it, and he was like, I, I was talking to him about our nonprofit, and we, he was like, I feel like we're supposed to make an offer on this place. And so this is Thursday this week. I haven't been storing up this, you know, information. We made, we went from not having any idea what the heck to do to making a cash offer on a place Thursday. Not through the church, but through this non nonprofit that my family has with the intent of arranging an affordable, a under-market lease for for our church, which is, like, you have to understand, this church wouldn't exist if it wasn't, I have to brag on my parents for a moment, this church would not exist if it wasn't for my parents making this space initially available for us. And so I had no intent of that, like, drawing on that resource, but for, for it's, it's always been amazing to me, my family's willingness to partner with kingdom stuff, with, our, with things that we're doing, and so for, for them to go, like, no, let's let's buy a freaking building and make this happen. I was like, whoa, like that's a, that's a different kind of uh, gift. Long and short is that the, you could explain this more, but the realtor completely turned down our offer because they did not like what we, what we offered. And we felt like that it was more, more where we were at is a, is a reasonable place for the building. And so we do not have a building. Um, we don't. We aren't. We aren't moving next week. We don't have a plan to. But I realized I was being disobedient two months ago by not coming to you. And the Lord's like, I'm giving you another chance right now to give people a chance to partner their faith with you. And so I don't know if I, I've now I've 
Ten-year younger man would have said something different to you. But So I don't know if we're going to get this building. I'm still believing that God will do something. I do believe God led us here, and I do believe... I do believe that at some point, I can't put a date on this, but I think at some point God wants to move our community, not because we need space. I'm, it's not a pitch about we need space to grow to the next milestone. I don't care about that. Like, that's not, the point is not we need space to get to 200. That's not, I, I just have had the sense that God wanted to move our community. That's it. And 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 um, M&T throwing that, that legal letter on my doorstep kind of was like, okay. <laughs> and and I'm aware that, that this isn't like the best long-term fit for them, and I want to be conscientious of that. And so I think you could, I want you to comment, but I, for me, I want prayer that, hey, if this is the space God has for us, that he would, oh, that he would make the right deal happen. Fair, fair thing. And if it's not, that he would show us. Right now, we're really believing that God would bring some breakthrough around this because it fits some other things. And just so you know, I've talked to multiple church people about when, when you look for a church property, it's, we did an exact map. So if you're driving from east, it's exactly five minutes further drive. If you're driving return, it's an exactly seven minute. You know, And generally, that is within what is like a normal distance for a church moving. I mean, like, back in the day, 30 years ago, if you lived in a suburban, rural, suburban community, it would be much easier to get, like, land or... But Zane and I can testify that this part of Dallas, like Mesquite, East Dallas, Garland, it's not like there's 10,000 things available. And so, like, like having something that's that kind of proximity to our community felt like a bit of a... almost Maybe not a miracle, but almost a miracle to me. Um, do you want to say anything else? Yeah, I mean, he's right. There's not really anything around here, generally speaking. I mean, you can, like, rent a little spot in a strip center kind of thing, but otherwise it's very limited. Um, you know, this is about, I would say that over the lifetime of the church, this is about the fourth time that I've seriously thought there was a chance at a building, but I have a lot more faith about it right at this moment. Um, there, were, there were other times where we found stuff, like, one time we looked at the old YMCA over in Garland, and we kind of like, maybe that's the time that our hopes were up <laughs> the most. Um, that was a long time ago, though. And then we, at one point, looked at a car dealership. It, was, it, it wasn't a deal we could make happen. We tried to buy this old uh, adult theater. <laughs> we were like, hey, we're going to take this thing back for God, you know. Um, it, it was a cool building. Um, but we didn't get anything moving on that, and um, and I don't know. This just feels a little more right. Like just with Jordan's descriptions of of uh, you know what he felt like we were supposed to be getting, and even the other day I I was showing Tiffany pictures of it, and she was like, well, how would we set up service? And I was she was like, would we be in a circle? I was like, I don't know. We might be in a circle. We might be in a semicircle, kind of like facing the window. We might be, you know. I was just like making different things. She was like, well. She's like, something along the lines, I don't want to like misconstrue it, but she used to sometimes have dreams that she told me about a long time ago, I forgot, but she used to sometimes have dreams that we would be worshiping, facing a big glass wall, is that right? Approximately right? Yeah. So anyway, I, there, there are little signs with this stuff, you know, like if we don't have like a, a, a 
the bat signal has not come out, you know? Like, we don't have, like, angels haven't appeared to us as shepherds and said, this is the building. But there are little signs that, like, give us hope that maybe this is the spot. And I think, you know, temporarily we have reprieve. I think, I don't know if you said this, but I think that they gave us longer and said, we're not going to raise your rent yet, right? Yes, they did. The, okay. the, the bank actually said, you know what, we'll leave it as it is and not bother it. Yeah. So for right now, we are actually not in an emergency spot where we're like freaking out and having to find a place, although we originally thought we might be. Um, but it just, it feels like that this, this could be the thing. And like we said, there aren't a lot of options. And this kind of has the environment that we've always talked about wanting. We've always wanted to be uh, in a mix of you know, with the, we've always wanted to be accessible to the wealthy and to the poor. And like this building is right by a, a bunch of, like a couple brand new nice neighborhoods that are being built right there. And it's also next to some very low income areas. Um, and we just see a lot of opportunities and like things that seem to connect with what God has said along the way that we're hopeful about, but we don't know if we can make a deal work, uh, we have no idea where it's going to go from here. It's, it's kind of a tough deal. We need God's wisdom and favor. I will say, while I haven't seen shepherd angels with shepherds, for me, the the level of closeness this is to what I described, you know, I mean, like I imagined a flat roof, rectangular building, glass walls in nature. And it's literally all of those things. Like it was a pretty, it was pretty, pretty close to what I had pictured in my mind and described to our team. What were you going to say? Could you go back to two months ago when you felt like you were supposed to share it and maybe explain like some of the tension and, and like a launch to it? I just was, I didn't really, I actually just kind of like, I was like, oh, I can't do that for this Sunday for this reason and this Sunday for this reason. And I just, I, that's the interesting thing to me about obedience and about a life of compounding obedience is sometimes it's not like this active rebellion that keeps us from the beauty. It's just moving on. I mean, I think mo a lot of things in my life where I had opportunity to jump on something God was said, it wasn't like I went over and left my family and decided to join Satan as a cult. Like, no offense, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Satanists are welcome to, and um, it wasn't that. It wasn't that. It was just, I just, just kind of let it, let it go by. I'm just being honest. But so disobedience sometimes can be very passive. So I don't know. Maybe we should pray. Um, and and if if you want to like. Uh, this is really spontaneous thought. It might be really weird if we all went over there and prayed, but but but, but I can't I can share with you the address. I don't like I have nothing to hide. I don't want. This is the thing. I want us to believe that God has something for us. We don't have to get into this like realm of attachment. The point is that God leads. Like so. I'm sharing from you in a place of I don't know what the next step is. Not, I. this is it, you know? But in my heart, I believe. Does that make sense? There's like a tension there. 
Like, I believe God led us here. I just, I want to bring you into space of unknowing because unknowing is real life. You know, a lot of times. 